Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Great to be with you today, and uh, especially pleased and delighted to be joined now uh, from England, uh, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs. Uh, he is an international religious leader, a philosopher. He's an award-winning author, and most important, he is a respected moral voice around the world. He served as the chief rabbi of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth of Nations from 1991 to 2013. His latest book, Morality, Restoring the Common Good in Divided Times, is absolutely a must-read. And Rabbi Sachs, we really appreciate you making time for us today. Well, it's great to speak to you. I mean, really delighted to do so. Wonderful. Well, we were uh, we were actually talking uh, earlier today about uh, some of the climate change issue. We've got a lot of places on fire here in the United States right now in the western part. Uh, but we want to talk about a different kind of climate change that you've been talking about and speaking about of late, and that is cultural climate change. Tell us about that. Well, you know, I began to realize that an awful lot of things were going wrong with society. You know, isolation. Uh, loneliness, depression, uh, social media and their impact on people's moods, um, the whole woke concept, the cancel culture, no platform, you name it, whichever direction you look, it looks as if things are going wrong. So the kind of question I asked myself was simply this. When it comes to ordinary climate change, the end result can be of many different kinds. Extreme heat, extreme cold, mm. extreme drought, extreme uh, flooding, and so on. And, of course, what's happening in uh, West, Coast of, uh, West Coast of America at the moment, ter- terrifying. Um, and, of course, although all the phenomena are different, they are all symptoms of one and the same thing. So after several years of study, I suddenly realized that all these strange symptoms of disconnection and discontent that were happening to society were part of cultural climate change, something going wrong in the nature of the culture of the United States, United Kingdom, liberal democracies in the West. Mm, I think that's so fascinating. I love how you describe both the heat and the cold. Obviously, we have the uh, heat, uh, especially in terms of our political rhetoric, has been very hot, uh, very divisive. We also have the cold, though, that you talk about in terms of the loneliness, the disconnection from people and uh, from from community. It's really sad because, you know, um, people 
have been encouraged to follow their own thing, their own bliss, whatever it is, and to live alone. But of course, when you live alone, uh, the chances of depression are enormously raised. Um, people reckon that living on living alone is the equivalent of obesity or 15 cigarettes a day. It's just a terrible thing to have happened. And uh, I think we should try and reverse direction if we possibly can. I think one of the uh, the fascinating things to me is, as you talk to people around the world, uh, so many people are just weary. I, I think that uh, cultural climate change has created a weariness uh, that we are we're disconnected, or what we do connect on, uh, we don't do in a <clears throat> excuse me in a positive way. It's very heated. Uh, you talk about that in terms of the the answer to that. Uh, a lot of people talk about the answer being in self help. Uh, and you say that uh, there's limits to self-help and there's actually a better approach to overcoming that weariness. Yeah, I, I, in the book, uh, it took a bit of courage to do this. I talk in the book, one of the most um, scary episodes in, in my life. It took place exactly 50 years ago. It took place on our honeymoon. Elena and I were in a little town in Italy on the coast, beautiful town called Paestum, little town with Roman ruins, and it had a beautiful beach and a beautiful sea, and it was a lovely day, and I said to Elaine, I must go and go into the sea. Trouble is, um, I can't swim. <laughs> For some reason, my parents never got around to teach me how to swim, and I never got around it either. So I said to Elaine, look, I know I can't swim, but if you look out at sea, um, you will see they're about 100 yards into the water, and the water is only up to their knees. So I will walk 100 yards into the water, the water will be up to my knees, then I'll turn around and I'll come back. Uh, and I did it. I went out there 100 yards, and the water's up to my knees, and then I turn around, and I start walking back, and within less than a minute... I found myself out of my depth, oh. and I absolutely could not swim. And there was no one near me because there were only a few people bathing, but they were a long way away. And uh, I remember going under for the fifth time mm. and saying to myself, what a way to begin our honeymoon. And what's the Italian for help? Well, somehow or other, somebody must have seen me because I'm still alive here today. Somebody did see me, grabbed hold of me and dragged me to the shore and deposited me unconscious at Elaine's feet. Um, but I came so close. And I thought to myself, now what would self-help have done in a situation like that? Yeah. The whole point was I couldn't self-help. What I could do was raise my arm and wave and hope that someone would see me, take hold of me, and take me to safety. Mm. And help is like that. I think we tend to think that there's so many books on self-help that there must be something to it. But the truth is that the most difficult problems we face, we can't solve on our own. Mm. The Talmud says... A prisoner cannot release himself from prison, meaning, roughly, somebody who is 
depressed can't release themselves from depression. The truth is that the great and transforming moments in our lives are when somebody else enters our lives and somehow holds our hand and takes us to freedom. So powerful. If you're just joining us, we have Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs on the line uh, with us from the UK. Uh, his new book, Restoring the Common Good in Divided Times, uh, is just an absolute must-read. And, and I want to continue down this path uh, with you, Rabbi Sachs, as you talk about that moment, that uh, ability of someone else to step in. And you address that in a, in a most powerful way. Uh, we often talk around here that one of the problems in society is we've become so transactional. Everything is just a transaction anymore. And, and you talk about it in different terms. You talk about it in terms of we have to go beyond just the, the social contract and we have to really get to that uh, society that's based on commitment and covenants. Tell us about that. Well, look, um, contract is something that two people engage in for self-interest. I need a car mechanic to mend my car. The car mechanic needs my money. So we make a contract. He mends my car. I give him the money. He's satisfied. I'm satisfied. That's a contract. A contract is about self-interest, and it doesn't enlarge us or engage us in any other way. You know, you do it, it's done, goodbye. Whereas a covenant is exactly like a marriage. In other words, it's two individual eyes saying, let us become a collective we. Let us pledge each other to one another in love and loyalty to achieve together what neither of us can achieve alone. And that, of course, is not about self-interest. It's about a new identity. It's about becoming somebody new because I have married somebody new, somebody large, somebody has enlarged my life, as indeed Elaine enlarged my life. Um, So a covenant is like that. It's about not interest, but identity. It's not about competition. It's about cooperation. It's about coming together to pledge ourselves to a bond of loyalty. Mm. Uh, and I think in our society, in our, our communities especially, I think that's so critical. I, I love the positioning you have in terms of uh, that new identity, and whether that's within a marriage or a family or a neighborhood or a community. Uh, we, we live in this time that is very divided, uh, but I think uh, we can go to the fact that we know that it's against the, the laws of nature and nature's God, that the, that the storm blows forever. It, it comes and then it, it passes. And much of what you talk about in terms of that moral covenant and connection, that new identity that emerges, uh, is that it's not inevitable that we continue as a very fractured, fragmented, divided society. Uh, tell us, what is the path then? Uh, to to move that storm out and and to get to better days and that new identity you talk of? Well, first and foremost, we have to take the people who disagree with us and respect them. There's too much arguing going on. Mm. People whose views are completely different and even opposed to mine have also thought things through have come to their own conclusion. 
And I want to be able to say to them, you know what? Um, we may completely differ on almost everything, but you're a human being and I respect that. And I hope you respect the fact that I'm a human being. I'm a religious leader. And I don't know, does the name um, um, Stephen Pinker mean anything to you? Um, Have you come across Oh, yes, yes, yes. The, um, the Harvard neuroscientist. Yes. Um, the, um, um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a big atheist. We had in Israel a brilliant novelist died just a, a year ago called Amos Oz. Amos Oz was one of the greatest novelists in the world, and he was a huge, huge atheist. And we um, took it as, as a task just to get to know Stephen Pinker, just to get to know Amos Oz and befriend them, despite the fact that they rejected almost everything that I hold sacred. Out of that engagement came two of the most beautiful friendships um, in my life. Mm. Uh, when I went for the first time to Amos Oz, who lived sort of down south in Israel, long, long journey, and people said to me, you know, I was then a chief rabbi. They said to me, uh, chief rabbi, what are you going to do, convert him? Um, and I said, no, I'm going to do something much better than that. I'm going to listen to him. And uh, we became really good friends. We had public conversations. I remember one in which he began, uh, I don't think I'm going to agree with Rabbi Sachs about everything, but then on most things, I don't agree with myself. <laughs> <laughs> very, <laughs> very Israeli atheist type thing. Uh, but, you know, that. it made such an impact on yeah. me. Here's a chief rabbi, here's an atheist, and they're sitting together and they're talking, and they are obviously friends. Yeah. And and I think he felt good about it, and I felt good about it. Uh. So, you know, I think all the divisions that currently exist in society have gone far, far too far. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it'll be easy to reverse any of them. It won't be. But um, there is none of them that cannot be reversed because all it really needs is openness, respect, and a willingness to honor people with views not like your own. Oh, fantastic. We're going to step aside for a quick bottom-of-the-hour break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs. We're going to talk about maximum of choice, minimum of meaning. What does that mean for you? Find out next. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, 
and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. It is great to be with you, and we are so delighted uh, to get uh, a little bit more time from Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, uh, international religious leader, a moral voice to the world, uh, author of uh, numerous award-winning books, including his latest, Morality, Restoring the Common Good in Divided Times. He'll also uh, be doing an event uh, with the Wheatley Institute at BYU. It's a free online conversation uh, on his new book. You don't want to miss that coming up on Thursday. Uh, Rabbi, uh, one uh, we know uh, we have it uh, coming up, the uh, Jewish New Year coming up this weekend, and uh, we wish you a happy New Year there. Thank you so much. And, you know, uh, it's, a, it's going to be a really tough one because we're not really going to be able to fill the synagogues because mm. of the need for uh, social distancing. Um, and I think for the first time ever, um, not everyone who wants to come to synagogue is going to be able to go there. Yeah. So uh, it's, it, it's challenging. Um, it is the day where the Bible tells us that we are supposed to sound the ram's horn. And it's a kind of warning uh, that, you know, there is such a thing as divine judgment and so on. So it's a, it's a really, really emotional day, or two days. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, everyone sends their friends a present of honey, because that is supposed to be a sign for a sweet new year. Mm. So I think we're going to need quite a lot of honey this year. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, we're here in the beehive state, and we'll gladly uh, we'll gladly send some your way. Uh, well, we were you know we were talking before the break, um, and I, I wanted to get to two things real quickly. Uh, one is just on the importance of the role of the family in this. Uh, you wrote that the family is where we learn the delegate choreographic choreography of relationship and how to handle the inevitable conflicts uh, with any human group. And uh, obviously the the family is uh, under attack in a lot of spaces and places, uh, but there are some core principles that uh, we need to make sure we're defending in terms of the family. Yeah. Uh, Elena and I just, at the height of the lockdown, just celebrated now our um, Golden Wedding, our 50th wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations. And we first met uh, when I was 20 and she was 19. Mm. And uh, I, I tried to explain once what actually happened. I was, we were at university, and uh, I was studying philosophy, and I was studying the French existentialists. In other words, I, all the guys who are really, really miserable. <laughs> and uh, I saw across the courtyard, a young lady who was the most unusual thing I'd ever seen, namely someone who radiated sunshine. Mm -hmm. And I suddenly realized that young lady 
person most unlike me I have ever <laughs> encountered. It took all of three weeks to propose, and 50 years later, uh. we've had a life of real happiness. So that's the way families actually are. Yeah. Oh, it's I love about that. about making space for the other person mm. to be different from you. Oh, and that. that's been the core of our happiness. I uh, absolutely love that. Uh, final question for you here, uh, Rabbi Sachs, uh, and I'm going to quote you back to you because this is so powerful. I first heard this quote uh, from Elder Quentin L. Cook, uh, who's a <clears throat> excuse me, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and uh, the quote is so, so insightful in today's world. You said that the if there's one thing the great institutions of the modern world do not do, it is to provide meaning. Science tells us how, but not why. Technology gives us power, but can't guide us how to use that power. And ultimately, you you say that the result in the 21st century is that we've been left with maximum of choice and a minimum of meaning. So how do we get to that maximum meaning? Well, you know, it's a curious thing. There's something called the paradox of choice. So, for instance, if a supermarket has five different jars of marmalade. Hey, do you have marmalade in the States? <laughs> we had more jam. <laughs> Jams and jellies. <laughs> jam, jam. Okay. You've got five different pots of jam. Then people love it. They choose the jar that they like, and um, everyone's happy. However, what happens, of course, is supermarkets put on a display of 200 <laughs> different kinds of jam. Yes. And when you have 200 different kinds of jam, nobody knows what to choose whatsoever. They stand there, not able to make their mind up. They get thoroughly depressed. <laughs> and unfortunately, we have always assumed the more choice, the better. Actually, it's not true. Mm. It's not the more choice, the better. It's the more meaning, the better. Mm. I don't know... Uh, or I, 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 I'm so English that I really don't understand these things. <laughs> but I kind of guess from some of the films that I've seen that uh, when your father buys you your first baseball bat, that's a kind of rite of passage. Yeah. It kind of says that he is trying to have a relationship with you. And there you have a minimum of choice. But a maximum of meaning, because you may just remember that uh, baseball bat for the rest of your life. Yeah. So we've been so obsessed by economics and, and money and choice that we've lost track of the really important thing, which is what are, what are the meaningful things in my life? Like my relationship with my father, or like my relationship with my close friends and what have you, um, we've put the emphasis in the wrong direction. And truth is, choose the things that will have the maximum of meaning and not the other things that really don't. You know what? If you have a car that goes eight miles per hour slightly faster, or you have the new smartphone that has even more pixels <laughs> than the last one, even though you can't actually tell the difference. We've become obsessed with these little, little details, and we've lost sense of the big picture. Why do we do or buy anything in order to have a life flooded 
with meaning and lit by the light of love and affection. Mm. Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, thank you so much for making uh, time for us today on Insight Sources. We love your insight. We appreciate uh, all you do to lift the word world and to reflect that light uh, to help us all think just a little more clearly. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much. Be well and bless you. Thank you. All right, again, that's uh, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, uh, international religious leader. He Again, he will be uh, having an event uh, with the Wheatley Institute at BYU. It's a free online conversation. We'll post that on our Facebook page. Let's go ahead and step aside uh, for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll recap my conversation with Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs uh, here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And if you've missed any of this hour today, uh, you definitely want to go back and get the podcast or make sure you've downloaded the KSL News Radio app from our friends at Any Hour Services uh, because you want to go back and listen. We just wrapped up our conversation with Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs uh, from the UK. Uh, again, he is an international religious leader, a philosopher, extraordinaire. More importantly, he's just a moral voice in the world. Uh, he was the chief rabbi of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth of Nations uh, for over 20 years. Uh, and if you want a little bit more, uh, he is actually doing an event uh, with the Wheatley Institute at BYU uh, based on his new book, Restoring the Common Good in Divided Times. Uh, this is part of the Truman G. Madsen Lecture Series. Uh, it's free to the public. You can go to Wheatley. It's W-H-E-A-T-L-E-Y, wheatley.byu.edu. Uh, you'll be able to find that. We've also got that posted and linked onto our Facebook page as well. Uh, that will be time well spent. It's 11 a.m. on uh, tomorrow, the 17th. And uh, just a a fascinating conversation coming up there. Uh, As we look back at uh, some of the comments uh, from uh, Rabbi Sachs, uh, my head's just spinning so many just beautifully put and powerfully expressed principles uh, that we always try to get to on this program. And uh, I especially loved where he ended uh, in terms of this idea that he could have these conversations with these very smart, very brilliant prolific writers that were atheists and that not only could they have a conversation they could actually have a friendship that's a big deal because everything we hear in the world today especially when it comes to our politics is that you can't you can't even have a conversation let alone a relationship or a friendship with someone who disagrees with you politically and as citizens we just have to reject that we just have to reject that. Uh, I also love the fact that he uh, he referenced, uh, it's coming up this weekend, is the Jewish New Year, and the tradition of sending honey uh, to your friends uh, as that ultimate in, in sweetness, uh, the things that uh, are sweet in life, the things that do give our life meaning and make them memorable and make them actually matter uh, and to leave a legacy that uh, is really worth leaving behind uh, all of those things are are so important, and we get so caught up in racing past everything else. Uh, I want to go back for just a second to to this quote uh, from Rabbi Sachs. If there is one thing that the great institutions of the modern world do not do, it is to provide meaning. Science tells us how, but not why. 
Technology gives us power but cannot guide us to how to use that power. The market gives us choices but leaves us uninstructed as to how to make those choices. The liberal democratic state gives us freedom to live as we choose but refuses to guide us as to how to choose. The result is that the 21st century has left us with a maximum of choice and a minimum of meaning. If there were one thing we could all come out of this pandemic with, it would be a little more meaning. We have some time. We're not as encumbered with all of the activities that we used to have. We should stop looking back saying, well, I can't wait until we get back to how it used to be. Instead, we should focus on bouncing forward to what's next and where the opportunities really lie because all of that can be found when we get to meaning. Rather than focusing on what's wrong, where the problems are, pointing fingers, placing blame, uh, that's the hobby of the day, we can, we can transcend that. Uh, we've talked often on this show about how society has become increasingly transactional in nature. We've talked about that in the politics. We've talked about it in business. Uh, both of those areas of life, politics and business, used to be centered in personal relationships, relationships of trust. And now they've become just nothing more than a, a market where transactions and deals are auctioned off to the highest bidder. Usually whoever has the most power, money, and influence gets the deal. And sadly, sadly, community and family life are, are also being pushed away from relationships towards very disconnected transactions. I know there are times when I feel like my family day is just a series of transactions rather than a series of meaningful, transformational moments. One of the things that I took away from Rabbi Sachs today is he, he talked about this. He said the human condition is overwhelmingly about relationships. He talked about it further. He said it's about faithfulness, staying true, loyal, committed to one another despite all the tensions, despite the setbacks, the misunderstandings, all of those things. We all fall short. Rabbi Sachs went on to say it's about consecrating the bonds between us, that interconnectedness, that interdependence. I loved how he said that it's not self-help that's going to be the answer. The meaningful moments happen when we have to rely on someone else. Uh, Not going to be found in the pages of a self-help book. It's going to be found as we, not I, as we come together. So the solutions to all of these things we've been talking about, all that we discussed with uh, the rabbi today, they're all troubles that are based and connected to this transactional approach to life that modern society has begun to really drive through. And most of them can be solved through community and family. Uh, Really interesting. Next week, uh, you'll want to be on the lookout. On September 22nd, the Deseret News and Brigham Young University will release the uh, 6th Annual America Family Survey. Uh, This is uh, an annual report that comes out, an annual survey. Uh, Again, Deseret News and Brigham Young University combine on that. They also have partners in that, including the Brookings Institute, American Enterprise Institute, AEI, uh, and others. And the survey is designed to really 
focus on the American experience, the family experience. Uh, in fact, the uh, editor of the Deseret News, Doug Wilkes, uh, commented that the America Family Survey explores the heart of America and actually gives voice to a populace more focused on living, economic concerns, work demands than they are by the typical divisive political rhetoric, rhetoric that uh, we often get caught up in the headlines. And uh, So that will be coming out next week. We'll be featuring that as we go through the week next week. A lot of great reporting, a lot of great interaction going to take place around that. Some really interesting findings uh, in terms of the state of the American family. Uh, and, I, and I'm here to tell you, if I were a political consultant today, if I was advising either the Joe Biden campaign or the Donald Trump campaign, I would say quit looking to all the consultants and all the media to tell you what you ought to do next. If you want to know how to lead and move the country forward, you ought to follow the American family. And just as as Rabbi Lord Sachs said, he said, look, we're we're not that different. And even if we have different ideas, we still have common things that connect us. And it's that connection that actually allows us to transform our neighborhoods, our communities, and our societies. It's that interconnectedness. And so this whole idea of just good, you know, good public policy, uh, as long as we're getting it to the community, to the family, to the neighborhood, to the individual, that's where success happens. And uh, Rabbi Sachs actually spoke about it in a really interesting way. Uh, He said it's not enough, not enough to simply have a social contract. Uh, contract is where we just make an exchange, your time for my money or something along those lines. Uh, he says we need to think about it differently. He wants to talk about a social covenant, uh, which invites us to and think about the impact we can have on others. As I said before, a contract is just focused on the interest of who benefits. And if the benefits are good enough, then we make a transaction. A covenant relationship, that kind of commitment focuses on what can be transformed. And to me, that's the real bottom line. And even though we are told over and over and over again how divided we are as a nation, every time you hear that, I hope you just reject it. It's not true. We are not that divided. Sure, our politicians are divided. Sure, we can say our politics has failed. The country's not going to fail. I had this conversation with someone the other night. I said, it's, we can have great hope because it's not about the first Tuesday. The first Tuesday of November is very important. Votes that are cast are going to really matter for sure, especially in 2020. But the most important day is the first Wednesday of November. When Americans, American families will get up, they'll go to work, they'll go to school, they'll help their neighbor They'll give value in their community. They'll make a difference. And that's why we can all have incredible confidence that even in divided times, we can restore the common good. Big thanks to uh, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs uh, joining us from England today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Thanks for joining us. And as always, as you go out into the world today, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to 
Give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.